Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court, is as ever here with Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm okay. You know, another day, another Kanye West interview. But apart from that, life is uh, life's okay. Life's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some yeah, it's yeah. That's a, again, that's an off-season part, I think, isn't it, Adam? Uh, this I week, so. we, <laughs> this week we go to VMAC and welcome on someone we again probably well overdue getting on. And chatting to a man who's worked for the team since 1997, has been all over the United States and the world with the team, most recently and prominently as his role as Vice President of Community Outreach. Welcome to the Ped Pod, Mr. Mike Flood. How are we, sir? Great. I love being with you guys. I've gotten to host some folks from the UK chapter over here at Seahawk headquarters, and that's where I'm sitting right now. And it's good to be talking to you, even though I know it's late, late there for you, but thanks. No, we do appreciate it, especially like during the season, because I'm sure it's quite a busy time. As I said, it's well overdue as well, though, because obviously we've we met in uh, when did we do the when did we do the tour? I don't I think it was 2008. Uh, yeah, 2016. We we met you and you. Uh, yeah, you showed us around, Mike. So uh, we were honoured to join you. There was a heck of a day. It was fun. I loved having you guys here. Yeah, but we, we were told if they if we were told if the Seahawks lose, it's a dark place to VMAC. Is that is that true when they lose? It's obviously they win this weekend, so it's probably a, a brighter place. But when the Seahawks happen to lose, is the mood a somber one around the building? You know, I think for for us in community and for probably for every department, we're we're always competing to be as good as we can be. And so the by ten o'clock on Monday morning, we're ready to go no matter what. Yeah. But I will say that things are the, the steps are a little bit more lively if we've had a if we've had a victory. Yeah. But but we maintain an upbeat attitude uh, after we discuss things after a loss, maybe at eight or nine in the morning. By ten o'clock, we're uh, we're hitting it hard again. Always looking <laughs> forward. Mike, it's funny to hear you use the word compete because obviously that word is so uh, synonymous with the team and, and Pete Carroll always compete. Not that necessarily what you do is so intertwined with the on-field stuff, but presumably when you have a culture that's a top-down thing, is something like that that from Pete Carroll, like that mantra, something that can permeate through all the parts of of the building? And and is that why you you hear this idea that some uh, teams are dysfunctional? Is that that kind of what that means, where you don't have this sort of all-in, everyone's-in-it-together approach, regardless of of which avenue of the team you, you take care of? I'm glad you asked that, especially early in, in our conversation, because I think it's critical to an organization and to an individual. Competing doesn't mean necessarily trying to beat everybody all the time, <clears throat> but it means that you're trying to think of it's so it's an exciting way to live, right? You're always trying to learn things about yourself and about those you work with and about your job every day. So if you have that attitude about your department too, when you're working for a team, then you're always thinking about things that you can do, especially in community. We're, we're helping people out all the time, right? We've got a big department. We can do all kinds of things. We're proud of that. So we're not going uh, to take it too easy uh, knowing that we, we, and this chance, there's only 32 teams, and we think we're the best at doing this. We're not going to miss the chance to try and do things with and for people and organizations. So that's the competition part. And when I was a Coast Guard pilot, it was the same thing. We're not, I'm not trying to beat anybody there, but I'm trying to make sure that I know as much about that airplane as, and that crew as anybody and that mission so that whatever we're doing that day, I feel like I was ready 
and I and I gave it all I had. Same thing in community. So thanks for asking that. When 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 I wrap up these podcasts, I'd say enjoy the podcast, enjoy the game on Sunday, whichever corner of the world you watch it from. You sent me a couple of pictures uh, yesterday uh, when we when we confirmed this. And I don't think many people watched it. Watched the game on Sunday from the same vantage point you did up in it Northwest Alaska. You watched the game from on Sunday. Uh, yeah, we have a booster club in outside of Anchorage, about uh, sixty miles, called the Matanuska. Susitna Valley, the Matsu Seahawkers, and they raise a lot of money and, and are really well connected with their community. So we went up there. They, they wanted to raise money for the Blitz Kicks for Kids program, where he gives shoes to kids that don't have uh, opportunity to get new clothing and new shoes. So they, they said, come on up and uh, we'll raise some money. Well, we raised $20,000 during that game for his program. Yeah, some cool pictures of, uh, I think it was, it was about 12, 13 degrees, not, not too bad, no wind. Uh, on the, just above that frozen lake there in the Matsu Valley. Yeah. And Blitz yeah. was normal, excited self, just got everybody revved up. And of course, winning at the end probably got the bidding up a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Is, 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 is your job and the, the stuff you do on a day to day, week to week basis, that, I guess that's, that's kind of been re- rebooted a little bit in the last year or so after post pandemic and everything. Was, what was that like working, trying to do all the community stuff, the outreach stuff when there was social distancing and, like a worldwide pandemic going on. That must have been a tough balance in that kind of thing. It was. And you guys know, everybody knows that the lack of connection affected people who, older people living in, in places where they couldn't talk to anybody, kids who couldn't go to school. And for us, we had limited to connect, but people who had Zoom capabilities were gratified to, uh, to some degree that we could have a call with a kid maybe somewhere or a call with a guy who's turning a hundred somewhere and, and with veterans who are, who are doing things and different organizations to raise money, perhaps using teams and zoom and things like that. But uh, the human connection part of it, I, I think if you're well connected to these people, anyhow, and you're able to express yourself a bit, you can get some, some percentage, maybe 70, 80% out of, out of that stuff, but it's different than, being there with the uh, facial expressions and everything else you get to share the sound, the real sound of a voice and <clears throat> everything else that goes along with being in person. And we couldn't go to a school. So we would have to get kids as many as we could on a teams call or a zoom call or something like that and try to do it that way. So it, it was tougher, but there was some gratification for me personally, because I could still connect with people. I could write to them and uh, see them. I could attend their, their uh, fundraisers using Zoom or Teams or something like that, or be a part of somebody's big birthday party in Alaska. Actually, it, it did help us connect with people uh, across the pond in Germany and, and the UK. So we, we did get more. In fact, our Seahawker Booster Clubs became even more united because we learned how to communicate to figure out how to, how to use uh, Zoom and Teams to get more people together as long as we could figure out the right hours for everybody. So there were some benefits in that regard, but the, the missing the human connection is certainly... Uh, something you don't want to ever have to go through again. Yeah, I, I think I jumped on a Zoom with yourself and uh, Jim Zorn on a Saturday night during the pandemic, which is a bit of a different Saturday night, but that was really, really cool. Uh, Adam? Uh, yeah, that my- was kind of about that. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. 
Mike, sports are quite incredible because you mentioned raising $20,000 for the the Blitz campaign um, and people connecting around the world. And ultimately, the only reason that these people are friends, maybe become partners, would talk to each other is because it starts by having to happening to follow the same sports team. I'm, I'm sure if the same people walked into the 49ers bar doing the same thing, they'd say, donate money to them? Absolutely not but they will do it for the team they support. And it's quite an incredible thing. Do you think it makes your life easier having that sort of fanaticism that binds people? Or do you sort of need to make it feel more real than just like a a playing on the fact that, you know, we're we're kind of abusing for the sake of of another term, the fact that you do support this this team to to get something from people? That's an insightful question too. I appreciate that. And I think that whatever, whatever method you use to get together, once you're together and identify a cause that you believe you can support, and all 41 of our CR booster club chapters support, and it doesn't have to, we, we're in the central council. And uh, so once they've decided that, the fact that they've got the camaraderie of the team uniting them is uh, that just becomes the uniting factor and, and a matter of pride when they see each other wearing the Seahawks clothing because the causes that, and the friendships that they've made are uh, are kind of, united around those colors and, and that team. So that's just the vehicle that got people together. And I think the vehicle is only as strong as, uh, as a connection between the people in the clubs and also the fact that the team has to acknowledge and appreciate what people are doing out there. And we do. We appreciate the UK, uh, Germany, you, you, all you guys who are over in Europe. But we had, heck, we had people in, in Munich from Taiwan, Australia, Alaska, all over the place came came to games and you guys come to games over here all the time so it really makes the world a little bit smaller and that, that the team is the uniting factor but it goes way deeper than that eventually we spoke in this pod well i think the last pod when we had danny kelly on i don't but how like the community angle over here and the, the ways that u.s sports gets things right whereas like football soccer over here maybe falls short but the community angle is something for my football club lower down the league ladder where it's much more palpable and much more important to the life of the thing but the, a team like a juggernaut of a franchise a, a, a global brand that the Seahawks like it's equally as important that they that you get that right isn't it as well because there's people who can't get to Lumen eight nine times a year during the during during September to December but it's, it's getting to those people as you say it's it's equally as important as it is to like a smaller 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 football club company kind of thing isn't it yeah, I think the one of the big factors is that you want people to be doing things for the right reason and because you'll be much more long-lived if you do it that way, and it's better for the world. So the fact that our clubs have gotten stronger and what they do in the communities over, over the years makes it uh, more fun and more uh, gratifying to be part of it. And in fact, there was an organization a few years ago called uh, Fans Against Violence that uh, and, and there's other organizations that are still kind of in that mode where they're not trying to, to uh, berate and, uh, and get into fights with the other team's fans before, before a game or wherever that might be. And, and I, we hope we want our booster club to be uh, considerate to fans of the other team when they get there. Because really, as you've seen during these COVID years, the need for unity is greater and greater. So. I mean, we're, we're going to be kind of ticked off at the other fans when they score and they're cheering and we're not. But uh, 
but we don't want those things, those things to turn into violence. And, and eventually at the end of the game, we want respect there so that we can, we can live together and appreciate the fact that uh, they got us that day, but we're going to get them next time, whatever it might be. It's there, there's a, gotta be that underlying uh, respect factor. If you want these things to be long last and really good for the world. Yeah. I mean, I just thinking when you're, you're talking about, you know, fans coming from across the world, I mean, we, Stuart and I, have been lucky enough to meet so many amazing people in Seattle. And I think I can probably speak for Stuart, maybe, maybe not, but if I had to miss one part of the, the Seahawk trip experience, it would almost be missing the game as opposed to missing, missing out on the chance to see the people, be a part of the community. And that must give you a great sense of pride in the fact that, you know, I, I would come or I, if I could fly every week just to, you know, spend three or four hours outside the stadium before the game and see the people and, you know, smell the smells and listen to the music. And that that would do it for me because I find that such a satisfying part of the experience. Presumably that's something that, again, just permeates from a, like a top-down thing. You know, when the culture of, of, of the place is good, that makes everything better. Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm, I get that more and more every year and I, I, I really plan out when I, let's say it's a one o'clock kickoff, everything that I do from eight o'clock in the morning, when I get to greet, sometimes get to greet our, the staff that works at the stadium to then meeting up with those who are coming from, from a distant place, all those things. And then, then all of a sudden it's kickoff time and it's almost like a whole nother world. We, we've lived this other, other life saying hi to each other and figuring out what's going on with each other's families and how the clubs are doing. And then all of a sudden it's game time and that's, that's like a new thing. And, and I get revved up with that, but it's almost like a separate experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think we've got Harry's making the trip over from the UK for the game on Sunday. I, th- I saw his airport beer photo on social media earlier. So I think we've got a Scottish representative in the stadium, at least one on <laughs> Sunday as well. Um, obviously, you, well, as I said, you, you've worked for the team since 1997 uh, got two people who kind of like involved around that time, but obviously the, the biggest one was the guy who bought the team a year before you arrived at the team and sadly died uh, four, four, four or so years ago. Uh, Paul Allen, obviously, we, we talked about setting the culture with Pete Carroll, but he 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 did that really back in 96, 97, and it kind of like built up to what we saw in 2005 and then 2013 and 14 with the Super Bowl win, didn't he? What what? How important was he to setting the Seahawks on the track that they now find themselves up more often than not on the top table in the uh, NFL. Yeah, I, I was on my last flight on the U.S. Coast Guard. I went to college with Paul Allen at Washington State, and we were in the same tiny fraternity. There was only about 20, 22 of us. And uh, I was the pres and the social chairman, so I organized a lot of our sports activities and parties. He, you know, he didn't follow my advice and stay in school. He left and and started the company called Microsoft, but he did okay. And <laughs> that'll never work. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so I was on my last flight in the Coast Guard, and I got a call from his office, but I got back in, I had a note, I called him back up, and he said, hey, do you want to work in the campaign for a new So I was going to be a coach and a, and a teacher down in Oregon in my last duty station. So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for a year. So I did that for a year, and now it's been 24. But he, So he was vital to my career, and also when, when I – the year after the campaign was over, he said, do you want to work for the team now? So that's when I became the community guy and started this, this department. But he, he said, I want this team to be a factor on and off the, the field. I didn't, I didn't buy it just because I wanted to own a football team. I knew what it could be if we do it the right way. And so I was at our game in London 
uh, and had flown over to Ireland with my wife to spend eight days over there. And I found out the night, that day, the day after our game in, in London, that uh, he had passed away. So we flew back and uh, did various things to remember him. But uh, yeah, he was critical to everything. I mean, we wouldn't have the Seahawkers probably in, in London. I don't think, I don't think it would have been the same before for him because he wanted this, this team to be way more than just a, uh, a football team. He wanted it to be able to unite people. On that, I, I'm not sure when kind of the, the master plan at NFL head office was to expand the game to Europe in the way we're seeing it now. But when, when you started out, I mean, even 2005, uh, when the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl for the first time, it's a very different world and a different different game from a global perspective now that, than it was then. Could you have even envisaged the the level of like, you know, not the podcast or even a thing then, but with the idea of being, of talking to some idiots in the UK about a team that they love from 5,000 miles away, would that have even been a comprehension at the time? Or, or was it, is that something that's just grown organically over time? That's a good question too. I think that, I don't know. I don't know if I ever envisioned it being, when I was in London and Germany to see thousands of fans, a ton of Seahawks fans in both places, uh, in the streets, I know that in the early 2000s, we had the potential to play, be playing a game in China, so that would have been interesting too. But you guys probably see the international growth from a upfront view better than I do, but it does seem like the, the fervor has picked up everywhere for the game. And I, I hope that's uh, something that will continue. We can keep playing over there. Uh, so how, 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 how did the team buy in to... 2018 flying over to play the Raiders at Wembley Stadium and again because it because it seemed as soon as they left London in 2018 it was a matter of yeah we'll do that again next year and obviously they did it this year in Munich how 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 was that a buy-in at like the the team the players the coaches kind of level oh it's it's pretty exciting I mean you know you're gonna have to go through complete problems like that but it's really exciting for everybody from the people on the logistics side to make sure that uh, that we do things in a way that is really convenient for the players and keeps some of the same routines. But then for the marketing people and the social media people, it's really exciting to be part of this. And for community too, I got to hang out both in Germany and in, in London with people who I who I'd gotten to know a bit through their coming over here. And now they're showing me around <clears throat> uh, England or around Germany, me and my wife when we're over there. So yeah, we're, we're all excited. The players, I think uh, it's an exciting thing for them too. They got they got to focus on the game, but there's a certain amount of excitement for them to get to be on that stage. Yeah. Uh, the, the other person who kind of I mean, he followed you in the door a couple of years after Mike Holmgren is someone else who's kind of obviously he's now in the Ring of Honor and everything. He should be in the Hall of Fame with what he did with the Green Bay and the Seahawks. On that again, back on that culture thing, what was? What was what was that culture like from when you first got there in '97 and when he came in in 1999? And how is that different in 2010 when Pete uh, rolled up the West Coast from California? They're both men that you can have pride in, and their style might be a little bit different, but they're both uh, beloved, strong, and uh, and carry a message that permeates through the organization. So I just saw uh, Coach Holmgren here oh, about six seven weeks ago. He was in here to do a an interview and it's just a pleasure to see him and you know he, he carries himself with class just like Pete Carroll does so it's it's a pleasure to know both those guys yeah. 
Mike, I love a story. So is there a, an example that you can think of where you're kind of in your role as your job and you just took a moment to look around and thought, huh, this is really cool and not something that I would have expected. I, I guess London and Munich would be fairly good examples of that. But has there, has there been a place in a, a far, flung, far flung place of the world where you're experiencing like a Seahawk moment that you would never have envisaged happening before starting out on this team? There's so many moments where I'll be somewhere in the world, in Asia or, or Europe or Alaska, in a remote spot, and somebody comes in on a Seahawk jersey and <laughs> speak English, then we can, we can talk about it and figure it out. So uh, I'd have to think for a minute, and I will during our, our talk here about something specific that, that uh, relates to that, but I, I can't come up, up with just... <laughs> Uh, obviously, this this week earlier today, I think um, Tyler Lockett was named as the nominee for the Water Payton Man of the Year. There's obviously on the field uh, impacted on that, but when me and Adam, as you said, we're six thousand, seven thousand miles away. We don't see the stuff, the work that he puts in in the community. So, what 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 is it about Tyler that's seen him nominated for that award? Not just this year, today, this week, but last year as well, that which is so integral we, we, we've been lucky to speak to Doug Baldwin on the podcast and he talked about him carrying on the the Woots mentality in the wide receiver room is that is that something that he took from Doug and Jermaine and Sid, Sydney and those kind of guys and took on and what 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 is the impact that he has off the field that obviously we see the one that he has on field I think for Doug and for Tyler the big thing is that they're so relatable and they're they're genuine and they're willing to go out there and do things for other people. I mean, very private things sometimes that nobody knows about. The, uh, the things that you can write about when you're writing up an award are the times that they went to a school, they spoke at a charity event, all these things that they're willing to do uh, and, and maintain their focus on their, on their game. But they're willing to do way more of those than, than a lot of other people are, they, or they have that, they, that ability inside of them. But when they're there, they relate to people. And if when they hear about something where somebody's going through a tough time, often it's them, guys like that, who will call or accept a visit here at uh, headquarters with somebody who's going through a difficult time and talk to them and make them feel, let them know that somebody cares about them. Somebody that, that's appreciated, a player for, for us is appreciating them. That Very special, both those guys. Yeah, obviously... Tyler with Pro Bowl, All Pro, obviously wants to win NFC West, NFC Championship, Super Bowls and stuff. But being told you were nominated for Walter Payton and everything that that like the name kind of resonates with with people, NFL fans, NFL. What 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 kind of, what what's that moment like for Tyler? As someone who gets gets that recognition, as I said, it's on the field as well, but he gets the recognition for the work he puts in off the field as well. I think it it means a lot to these guys. I, we only get to be there for the moment where they they see their their picture put up on the wall. I wish I was down in that hallway right now. We've got a a portrait, a, a framed image of each player over the years who's had received that award. We stand down, we present that. But I think when probably when they're playing, but I'll bet a lot of times when they're done playing, they think about receiving that award and what it meant, all the all the times that they spent making somebody else's life better. And it probably, you know, you, you all, we all know that that, that kind of service is, is uh, as gratifying as getting a win sometimes. Mm. Yeah. We hear a lot from players like Doug. Um, I know Cliff Averill's still in the area that, that 
they feel so at home in Seattle. I mean, Stuart and I are lucky to speak to Nick Ballore quite a lot. And he's told me that he you know, fully intends to settle up in Seattle when he's done. Obviously, there, there must be a regional thing to that and they enjoy the area, but, but it must give you quite a great source of pride to know that that relationship between player and town is, is kind of mutual and, and your, your guys are laying the foundations to make people comfortable where they are. It does. It's, and it's not something that always existed. I think the, the guys who have played in the last 10 years or so are staying around way more than people did way back when. And that makes us feel good. We talk about that. We in community and all through the team talk about how fortunate we are. When we have events now, we've got a ton of people living here who can go out and represent the team. And they're, they're known and they've got the heart for it. So it, it's a big deal. And Cliff Averill was on a panel in here in, in the building a month or two ago. Ben Obamanu, Jordan Babineau, uh, a couple other guys were on there too. And they all talked about the, that question, why did they stay here? And it's because they felt welcomed and they, they felt good about their, their teammates staying here and having a relationship with them. And also that the team could still use them, that they were still part of the team in a lot of ways. So even though they're not playing on the field, they're still representing and doing tons of other things for us. Love that. And is, is that something that, again, it, it's very hard to separate sort of the team from Pete Carroll. Uh, I guess when you, when you, when you have a head coach that there, that's there for that long, it almost becomes a, a CEO role as much as anything else. Is that something that you feel that he's fostered amongst a lot of the players to, to, to have that pride in where you are as much as just, you know, pride in being a, a player in any city in the country? It probably creates a, uh, a longer lasting feeling than just winning is that his values uh, permeate your life. And so, the kinds of things that he wants people to learn and feel and, and uh, act when they're here are the kinds of things that'll take you on success in your later life. So maybe, maybe that feeling that that he cares more about uh, you as a person than just what you can do for him as a, as a player makes it probably adds to the equation. Uh, Obviously Seattle, like a lot of major U S sports cities is not a one sport city uh, is is there much um like crossover with you and the guys who do work for the mariners or work for the sounders or even down in montlake work for the huskies is there much like obviously the mariners this year have been on went on an unbelievable run the first playoffs in two decades they've got a new a new centerpiece really in julio rodriguez is this is there stuff where you where you kind of like work together or you go like if you you give them ideas and they you kind of bounce off each other because like it's it's you're so close like physically on game days when uh, T-Mobile is literally over the road from Lumen is like this it's probably hard to like avoid each other is it isn't it in the community aspect of it? Well, I think certainly we take pride in each other's accomplishments and and our players get saluted at Mariners games mm-hmm. and their players get saluted i think their, their catcher just raised the 12th man flag for us uh at our last home game so there's a lot of mutual pride in that regard and then every now and then we join together for do maybe it's a kids cause of some sort and we'll join together our seasons are are different and the routines are different so we can't do a heck of a lot of it but every now and then we get together and work on things for kids at a school or some type of a project usually for kids yeah 
Um, so we've, I think, I think we got one out of Nick Below when we had him on. Obviously, there's one person who just everyone seems to have a fountain. What was we talk about being in that building? Marshall Lynch seems to carry his own kind of aura and stuff. We talk about the community stuff. There's no one really who probably does more community stuff as such a high profile athlete as quietly as he does with, especially down in the barrier in Oakland. Do, do, you, do you have any like Marshall Lynch stories, which want a broadcastable maybe? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows you that even though we look at people and admire their differences and, and think that they, they probably don't have anything in common. Marshall was going to have a, an event in Seattle after a game on a Sunday night in, a, in December years ago. And uh, his folks called up and asked if we in the community would help uh, get some people. to. So I was there and we're, uh, we're at the hotel and we're just before dinner. We're all looking at the auction items. and Everybody's talking to getting to talk to Marshawn and the other players who are there. And uh, all of a sudden up in the elevator, elevator door opens up and here comes Paul Allen. And so he, he didn't come to that many of these things, but he admired what Marshawn was doing. So I told Marshawn that Paul was here and he was surprised, but they sat down at a, at a table before they opened those doors for, for dinner. They went in that room separately and talked about what they thought about kids causes, not just in Oakland, but all over the place and what they could do. So here's two guys from totally different backgrounds, totally different worlds, uh, sharing that interest and spurring each other on and what they could do for kids. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, that was it the relationships you kind of build up are not always on the track you probably expect them to be. Uh, you mentioned that you went to Washington State, Mike. Uh, what, what's it like on Apple Cup weekend in VMAC for yourself after what happened about 10 days ago? Or so It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, 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 we've had Mike Dugar on quite a lot, who's probably like yourself, a very proud uh, Coug as well. So he's in the building yeah. as well. EC because we were getting ready to play a game out there. So I didn't get to, and I stayed out there for a couple of days. So I didn't get to enjoy it as much. Now this year, they can kind of give it to me because we lost. We, <laughs> but not fair. I should have, it should have been the other way around. Yeah. I mean, like the, 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 Coug, the Cougars from afar, from, well, from, from my point of view, seen that kind of like that community thing as well because Pullman's, it's, it's not a big it's not a big city it's not the bright lights but they just like that I said with, with, with Mike the pride that he has you have it's like it's far more palpable it seems and like these big kind of schools kind of have it's like it's a different kind of kettle of fish isn't it when you're Pullman and in the in the cold of well I'm glad you picked up on that because it is different and when I was a kid I remember my dad took me to a Husky football game I grew up in the Seattle area and, uh, and it's Washington playing Washington State. And I said, Dad, who's Washington State? He says, oh, they're from the state over there. I didn't even know who they were. So uh, later when I decided to go there, because I liked some of the courses that they had, after a year there, I thought, I don't know if I really want to stay here. But after a while, all of a sudden, you realize that you get to run different committees in, on that, that school in that town. And you get to be really a part of life. And you're unified when it's uh, – 12 degrees out you're you're going through all this stuff together and when you finally come out of there and you've you've hung together with all these other people and you know that you survived that atmosphere right? and it's it's so much fun too you uh you kind of have something that you share in common and and it builds on you every year so if you stay there for four years 
then you you're you're bonded for life. It's it's a lot different than city because there's not a heck of a lot else to do and stand up sports <laughs> or committees or partying or whatever it might be. My professional sport has just become so big. It's such a behemoth. There's billions of dollars. There's you know millions of fans worldwide. But it must be, and I can tell the energy that you still have for it that you must still get a great thrill in being able to deal with such micro elements of like individual fans and individual causes under the auspice of it being in this enormous sport. Yeah, I do. And it's turned into relationships. My wife and I have with uh, men and women, young and old that are our friends now in all different ways. They're parts of our life. And it all came out of the, the Seattle Seahawks. And it's, I mean, it's every age and uh, every background. We, we know people who are close to us now, and we get to share life with just because it started out with the Seahawks appreciation. Great. One, one more thing on the, I think you're quite uh, deeply connected to it. Me and Adam, in 2016, we were over for the Bills Monday night game, and me and Adam have been going to sport games of different um, uh, different levels for 30 odd years, but I don't think I've had a cooler experience than. The military flyover, the over the flyover they had on that night with the helicopter, yeah. the I can't remember the name of the helicopter. Like that, that is that is one of the things where, which American sports on those military appreciation nights kind of get right. And obviously, prime time and eight hours of pregame and probably aided into the atmosphere a little bit. But like when 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 you see that kind of like with, with your military background as well, that must the connection you have with that and the, the role you have in setting up the military Seahawkers as well. That must be something else that brings you immense, like brings you immense pride in seeing, because it, it is honestly, yeah, that video of the, the helicopter going over is, is just, it's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Well, the other moment besides the flyover is, and and believe me, we're really good at the military stuff. Nino Gray, who was hurt in uh, Iraq, leads our military program. He's got a huge heart for it because he's been through a lot. But um, we have we, he started the thing where we salute somebody every game in the third quarter and sometimes all four quarters. But last game, it was a guy who flew uh, B-17s uh, out of England in World War II, 35 missions and B-17s. Going to be 100 years old in February. Uh, it's uh, going to be a Pearl Harbor survivor, who uh, a Navy guy from who survived there and fought in the Pacific here in, in a game or two. Other people that have gone through men and women who have done all kinds of things for our country and to see them and walk, walk down the sideline with them after they're saluted in the third quarter on the field. It's, it's really a cool moment. And then, and there's a ton of other personal things that go on in that world too, that people don't know about that where we bring people together and uh, bring them together with players sometimes to try and improve uh, life for folks who have gone through so much for our military. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's 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 it was absolutely amazing. It's it's mm. something really cool when you. I think I think last year may have been the military game. Either maybe it went a bit too late. I can't remember. But, but yeah, that was this. That was uh, a year ago today for the 49ers, the 49ers game we were there game, last yeah. year. It might have been. A bit, I think it's a bit earlier in the season, isn't it? Usually the military. Yes, yeah, military's Yeah. Um, we try and do as many flowers as we can early on. Where I don't think we're doing this this week because of the weather. Uh, is not as predictable, you know. <laughs> um, uh, well, obviously, we're 100, 200 episodes into this. We we do have a few 
white whales as like podcast guests <laughs> you being one of them obviously we do really appreciate you jumping on um how would an english uk seahawkers podcast go about getting uh the head honcho onto here for 20 minutes of his time mr pete carroll <laughs> would that be a, a a possibility do you think because obviously he's probably the busiest man in all of seattle at the minute even out the season when he's all his community stuff. Um, all over you know, Mike, if you're if you're really if you're all you're cracked up, if you can job, pull I reckon that, you can pull you, it off. <laughs> That's the head coach. I don't think I've ever met him. No, I don't no. know. If I can... <laughs> <laughs> how 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 possible would it be to get uh, Pete Carroll as the third Mike on this here for the reckon? How? Because his the amount of time he has during the week when he's in meetings with coaches. Uh, it's it's pretty limited, but it, nonetheless, there there might be a time when he would do it. So, we, if you guys email me the question and the uh, and the outline of what you do, I'll uh, I'll stand up for the fact that the, it's very interesting and good questions. Hey, we have we might have a few players up our sleeve. You know, he could skip yeah. one coach's meeting and jump on with us. You know, he might learn a thing or two. That guy. I, I don't know so much. Yeah. <laughs> at the win, talkers. I'd love that. Yeah. Well, look, Mike, Stuart and I are coming up to our, yeah, our 200th episode in, in three or four weeks' time. And uh, in a way, none of it probably would have happened without you and what your team do, because Stuart and I met randomly on a UK Seahawkers Facebook group. And then we happened to be going to the same game eight years ago. And we met and did a tour of Safeco Field. Then we've been really great mates ever since. As someone that, you know, I talk to Stuart every day. And um I guess in a weird way, it's like a thank you from me to you for the way in which you guys have set up the Seahawk community because uh, it's certainly enriched my life. And uh, I know I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say the same thing. I appreciate that so much. It's one of the great things we can do is connect people. And and you guys are so strong over there. I'm glad we got to play a part of it. Yeah, no, massive part. It was really cool seeing you guys over here in 2018. And hopefully London and well, the UK gets a chance soon again to... To, to show Munich what, what a party really looks like. <laughs> well, i say one more thing. That I say thank you to all Seahawkers because there's uh, the strength of those clubs. When Paul Allen bought the team, there were 700 members and it was not nearly as united or widespread as it is now. And now there's, you know, 10,000 paid members. They're, they're all involved. It's not just people who got together on Sunday and watched the game. It's their involvement throughout the year is really important. And, and it's a great uh, thing to know that that camaraderie helps people out and, and is an inspiring part of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Appreciate the work you do. It's, it's like following you on social media and how your social media, like the pictures you sent me the other day of Alaska, that's just, that's, it's a really cool job. And it's really cool to hear like, like the, the things that go into it, which obviously, we probably don't see you from so far away, but we really do appreciate you jumping on with us and uh, giving giving your point of view because there's there's no one else really with your point of view. You've worked with pretty much you worked with half the Ring of Honor, I think, haven't you? In your time in in, in working for the Seahawks, I mean, you Paul Allen, Walter Jones, Mike Holmgren, and obviously the last 12, 13 years with Pete and John and everyone. Yeah, it's a it's a blessed thing, but it's also a real pleasure to to know people like you guys. And to, I, I love the questions you asked. It was really fun for me to do it. Cool. Thank you yeah. so much again, Mike, for your time. Cheers, guys. Before the season started, you weren't even sure if you were going to start. Mm. You didn't believe in interceptions and just set a franchise record. <laughs> what do you think of all this? Uh, man, I think it's a blessing. I remember just on draft day, just sitting like, uh, <laughs> just like sitting in the living room a little bit. 
I don't want to get too emotional, but I just remember sitting in the, uh, like the, just in front of my family, just getting calls from different people, and I was just embarrassed because, you know, I, I always think there was a team getting called because I was just hearing different stuff. And I was just saying, corners go, corners go, corners go. And I was just like, dang, so I'm just about to be here. And uh, day three came, and I met with the Seahawks at the combine. And whenever people used to, when I told people I met with them, they'd be like, oh, you're going to the Seahawks, you're going to the Seahawks. And I told them how it went. Like, I, I remember walking in, Coach Pete just started smiling. And shit, I mean, excuse me. No, draft day came, and I just heard my name called Seahawks. And I really didn't even have to say much. I just was like, let's go, you know. I'm just happy to get my name called, and it's just a blessing, honestly, and I'm just happy. That I'm was a lot for Mike Flood. If anyone's ever been to Seattle, you've probably seen him uh, floating around. I think, obviously, we, anyone in London met him in 2018, and as he said, he was in Munich, uh, what, a month ago? So, yeah, he's, it's, 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 it's a really – I mean, that flyover I've done is one of the – it is one of the cooler things in sport I've ever been in a stadium for. Yeah, I'm trying to think what that bloody thing's called. It's n- it's not like a tomahawk or like Mustang. It's something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was great. And it was nearly as cool as seeing Jimmy Graham catch two one-handed touchdowns about yeah. half an hour later. And I, rem- <laughs> I, I remember those slightly better than the... <laughs> I think the flyover gave me the jolt that I may have needed to be honest, after, uh, after the day yeah. we'd had. Yeah, shout out Will Travers, who probably doesn't remember any of it. Um, yeah, if you want to get involved with podcasts, you can or use amazing methods. Possession Podcast. So on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Patreon.com forward slash the Possession Podcast. We're going to try and do probably back next week after the Panthers game. Indeed. Yeah. I've got Mike Ashley brain this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, until next time, this has been the Possession Podcast. Go Hawks. <laughs>